Hello, and welcome to the Bayside Sermon Series podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Duckworth, Media and Technical Director here at Bayside. This week, we conclude our sermon series on revision. This week, we speak with Pastor Dave Ritter about overflowing with generosity, spending our time in 2 Timothy, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. This week, we conclude our three-week sermon series on revision. This sermon series walked us through the three vision priorities God has placed upon the heart of our church. The three visions that we are looking at as God's vision for Bayside for the next five years is to become like Jesus through discipleship, advance the gospel through geographic saturation, and overflow with generosity through leadership multiplication. Uh, Pastor Dave, can you take a second and, and help us understand how we came to those three points for our vision? Yeah, this is really the culmination of a year of prayer and conversation that has been taking place on multiple levels uh, with the staff and then with the elders and then with ministry leaders and more recently with the congregation at large in various uh, ways and shapes and forms. And so as as we've been kind of trying to discern what would Bayside Chapel look like in the next five years if we continue to let God get hold of us, uh, these are the things that we've kind of uh, felt God is laying on our hearts. And there's kind of progression to them, right? So first, we we want to work on our discipleship here at Bayside. We want to have everybody um, understanding and growing in their relationship with Christ and what it means to be in Christ and for Christ to be in them, growing to, to look a lot more like Jesus. Uh, then we want to advance the gospel uh, right here locally and throughout our region. But we've talked about geographic saturation and how, you know, we don't want to take it for granted that people are going to come to faith in Christ, we want to be very intentional about exposing our friends and neighbors to the gospel. And so Pastor Ken has been leading us in this um, prayer for every home initiative where where we'll be praying for our neighbors. Uh, Pray, care, and then share. It's kind of a three-part strategy. And we want to get really good at, at, um, you know, in very intentional ways, reaching out to our our immediate neighbors, our community here with the gospel. And then um, the third one is really just an extension of what has been happening here in recent years, where we've seen that Bayside has become uh, not just a a local church that God is blessing, but really a, a church that God is using in our region to be a blessing to other ministries and, and to be raising up and equipping uh, leaders, uh, not only for our needs here at Bayside, but for church planting and and um, helping other ministries in various ways. Um, part of that involves our One Vision partnership with Proving Ground and Wellspring, but it goes beyond that as well. So we've, we've talked in terms of um, overflowing with generosity, but not in kind of the conventional sense that you might think of, of giving our funds to other ministries, although we have certainly been doing that in recent years. 
but rather overflowing with generosity through leadership multiplication. Uh, that is to say, we want to be generous with our time, our expertise, and our people uh, in, in benefiting churches and ministry agencies throughout the region so that together we can more effectively advance the gospel here on the Jersey Shore. Right. So from your sermon notes, you made the point that by overflowing with generosity, we mean that we want to multiply the impact of God's kingdom work throughout the region and beyond. And we envision God's kingdom work being multiplied by developing and resourcing leaders to expand the church and deploying them to accomplish that which God is calling them to do. Now, you had three main points there about this, this calling, that we want to continue to contribute resources, people, and leaders for church planning efforts in our region. We want to supply leadership and expertise to assist and revitalize other churches and ministry agencies as called upon. And we want to raise up, support, and send gospel workers locally and globally. God wants to use us to develop more Christian leaders. So we spent a lot of time in 2 Timothy and various passages where Paul is addressing his work to the church about Timothy or to Timothy directly. One of the key points you brought was 2 Timothy 2, 2, and it says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. Now, in that one passage, if we carefully observe what's going on in this verse, we can see four generations impacted by Christ. Who do we have here in that in that passage? Yeah, this this one verse is really the essence of what ministry multiplication looks like. So you've got uh, Paul, who had poured his life into Timothy for about twelve years, saying to Timothy, "Now the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, now you teach to reliable or faithful men." will be able to teach others also. So first generation is Paul, second generation is Timothy. Third generation is those reliable men that Timothy is to teach. And the fourth generation is third generation folks will teach. And and so the process goes on and on. Um, and, and essentially this has been the, the leadership multiplication process that has happened in the life of the church now for 2,000 years. So in the sermon we had three ways that God might use to raise up leaders. And our first point was that God will use families to to raise up leaders. Uh, one verse from Proverbs that comes to mind is Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, the tricky thing with this verse that a lot of people misunderstand uh, and think that this is a guarantee or a mark of the quality of your parenting when it's really a, it's a wise saying that, that God has shared with us that we have no guarantee of training our kids up in church that they will stay here forever, but it is going to impact them forever. Uh, and, and so did for Timothy. Yeah, so Proverbs um, aren't promises. Proverbs are Proverbs. And Proverbs, uh, as as proverbs are, are, as you said, wise sayings, and and you know typically the way things work in God's economy, right? 
So again, yeah, it's not a promise that if you raise up a child in the way he should go, that that uh, they're they're going to turn out right. Um, but it's it's basically a, a principle that look, if you invest in your kids and train them up in the way they should go, uh, they're most likely going to follow that way when they're old. And um, and you know, when it comes to preparing people for ministry, I think you know where I was going from was the the whole example of Timothy. I mean, we're, if we're going to look at, at how we need to develop Christian leaders, Timothy's a great paradigm of how Christian leaders get made. And it began for Timothy, not with Paul's influence, but with his mom's influence, his grandmother's influence. Uh, we know from Paul's letters to Timothy that Timothy had these two godly women in his life, uh, Eunice, his mom, and uh, Lois, his mother. And that um, they were the ones who gave him his earliest instruction in the scripture, being good Jewish women, uh, Christians, but of Jewish background. They took seriously, apparently, the admonition of Deuteronomy 6, where it says, you know, let's, let's uh, talk about God's word with our children from the time they get up to the time they go to bed and talk about it all along the way. And apparently these women did that because Paul says, it was that early instruction in the scriptures which made Timothy wise for salvation. I think what's what Paul's getting at there is that, you know, hey, when when I, Paul, came through uh, Lystra and Iconium preaching the gospel the first time I was here, uh, you were able to recognize in my preaching that I was talking about the promised Messiah. Uh, those scriptures made you wise so that that you were ripe uh, to respond uh, to to the the gospel and put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Messiah. So uh, Paul, you know, rightly credits Timothy's mother and grandmother uh, with uh, his early start in in preparation for ministry, and and I think that's that's what I was trying to get across in the sermon is that is that very often the raising up of Christian leaders starts not in the seminary, not in the church, but starts in the home. Uh, that as parents, we can have a huge impact on a child by, uh, you know, from their infancy, reading the Bible stories before they go to bed, uh, having family devotions and making sure that, that God's word is, is, you know, prominent in our, in our homes, that we're, we're instructing our kids, not just waiting for the, you know, the, um, the, the uh, church, uh, ch children's church to to give them their training, or the kids club to give them their training, or vacation Bible school, those are all supplemental to what should be happening in the home. And um, not to say that you know if you didn't have that kind of upbringing, you'll never be a church leader or Christian leader. There are plenty of people who've come from very difficult family backgrounds who God has raised up to serve in the church. But there are some of us who are very blessed to be able to point to a, a Christian family upbringing as, as the start of not only our faith journey, but of our ministry journey. And one of the, the points that you helped to support that in the sermon was 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, and you alluded to that just a moment ago. But there was also 16 and 17. Uh, 16 is, is a uh, very quotable verse and putting it into that context of, hey, your your mother and your grandmother taught you as a child the word of God. And verse 16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
and for training in righteousness. And when we think about at the in the home, if I am sharing the word of God, it's it's not me that's speaking. It's it's the word of God that's speaking and getting into the hearts of the children. So if you're a parent out there and you think that you're never going to get into your kid's thick skull, they're never listening, it's it's not on you always. It's let the word of God percolate, get through that that hardened clay of a heart and and let God do the work there. I, I want to speak to parents who might be discouraged, you know, if, if kids are are giggling or acting out at, at uh, bedtime when you're trying to read a Bible story or you're trying to have a time of family devotions at the dinner table and one of them is mis- misbehaving. Uh, you know, we had all that in, in my family with our kids as we were raising them. Uh, and yeah, there are times when you, you might say, I'm just not getting through, but uh, don't despair. Don't give up. Keep being faithful and exposing the kids to scripture. And, and uh, you know, I think of, of uh, one of my kids in particular had a, a knack for getting the giggles during family devotions. And, and, <laughs> and uh, there were many evenings when she was sent away from the table because she was being so disruptive. And you wondered, uh, was she getting it? But, you know, she was the one who would come back in high school and engage in conversation at the table about, um, you know, things she was hearing at school and kids are saying this and kids are saying that. And, and what, what do we have to say as Christians in response to that? And, and, you know, we just had many, many really great conversations at the dinner table. I think of one conversation I had with two of my girls as we were going to pick up grandma at the airport. Uh, so 45 minutes uh, from from uh, where we lived down to uh, Philly International and and just an unbelievable conversation. One of those you know conversations on the way uh, that, that Deuteronomy talks about where we were talking about some really deep stuff. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just grateful for those years that we had as a family, frustrating as they were sometimes. And I'm not taking credit for it, but all three of my kids are in ministry today. And, and I think in part it's because from a very early age, they developed a, a love for Christ and, and a respect for his word. That's great. Now, the second point was uh, a question of how might God use a church? And it, it might seem a little obvious on how God might use a church, but let's, let's kind of go through some of those, those things. Yeah, so I broke it down in terms of three three ways that a church can be influential in raising up a leader. The first being recognizing potential in someone, which is what happened for Timothy and Lystra and and like Iconium, where as Paul is coming through in a second missionary journey, it was it was people of the church who were saying to Paul, "Hey, look at this this young guy Timothy. He's got a lot on the ball. He's showing a lot of promise." And uh and that was what motivated Paul then to take Timothy with him for the next eight years on his missionary journeys and basically apprentice Timothy. So, so I think it's really important. In fact, we just had a great staff meeting a few minutes ago where we identified together as a staff 30 different people, uh, younger adults and teens, who showed that kind of promise in, in ministry. Uh, for ministry and you know kind of the encouragement keep your eye on them encourage them let's let's see if we can we can uh, help them discern whether God is calling them uh, to serve in ministry um, so I think I think it's important the churches uh, always be on the lookout for who's who's the 
next Timothy among us. Um, you know, I had a ch I had a church that did that for me, a pastor who who uh, encouraged me early on in ministry. And if it wasn't for him uh, being on the lookout and being sensitive to what you know God was nudging him to do, um, I might not be in ministry today. It, it was it was that important that that uh, that he called out my gift for teaching and and then uh, helped me put it to use. So then the the second piece goes right along with that, and that is that okay. So you've got somebody who's showing promise for ministry. What next? And the second thing that that happened for Timothy was that the church or churches gave Timothy space to to lead. They gave him room to try out his gifts and to and to cut his teeth in ministry. And there are several times when Paul basically writes to churches and saying, "Hey, I'm sending Timothy. Make sure he's got nothing to fear while he's there with you. In other words, don't be giving him a hard time. You you let him do what I'm sending him to do." Uh, and um, and seemingly, where Paul sent Timothy, churches gave him, even though he was a young man, gave him room to to lead and and to use his gifts. And um, it's only when we when we give young leaders opportunities to to try out their gifts that that um, they'll develop as Christian leaders. Otherwise, you might have somebody with with potential, but who just never blossoms because nobody ever gave him the chance. And that's risky for churches. You know, it's not it's not a comfortable thing for a congregation to listen to somebody preach their first sermon. <laughs> uh, but if somebody doesn't let them preach their first sermon, uh, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to end up with, with like a Ken Carlson, you know, like we have here at Bayside or, or, uh, you know, Jason Coash who preached his first sermon here or Nick Dalio, you know, guys who are now pastoring churches uh, on their own, uh, Brian Prizer. Uh, and and so you know I think that's something that that we have valued here at Bayside is you know giving giving people in ministry their first chance and and, and you know that happens not just in the pulpit it happens all throughout uh, you know the 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 church in various ministries um, you know so the the senior high ministry has a student leadership team. Where students are are being challenged to lead um, among their peers in various ways, and I know that Tiffany will put uh, kids to work in in kids ministry uh, in in ways that will give them an opportunity to step up and use their gifts in in simple ways. Uh, we've got we got to be doing that. Got to be making room for for potential leaders to try out their gifts in ministry, and and you know sometimes they're not gonna they're they're not gonna shine, uh, but sometimes they'll they'll blow us away with with uh, their giftedness and how God is able to use them. And then there's the third way uh, I talked about churches need to be involved in raising up leaders and that's by affirming God's call on someone's life. So uh, you've got somebody with potential and and you've let them use their gifts and leadership and now everybody's persuaded that this is someone that that God is setting apart for ministry. And and the church did that for Timothy when elders laid their hands on him and and essentially ordained him, um, and uh, and we've had an example of that here in recent years where we uh, we ordained uh, Ken Carlson and and the laying on of the elders' hands was a, a way of saying Ken we believe that God has called you to a lifetime of ministry and we're setting you apart 
for for the gospel ministry. Um, and, and, you know, there are other people that we've laid hands on and have sent them off, commissioned them to go plant the church. You know, Jason, when he went to plant Wellspring Church, or Nick, when he went to plant Proving Ground Church. Um, uh, it, it's, 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 a, it's a real milestone moment for someone to have that affirmation of a congregation saying, not just we're behind you, but we believe that God's hand is on you, and so much so that we are setting you apart uh, for, his, for his work. Uh, so, uh, a, ch- a church can be very, very instrumental in the raising up of of leaders, and and we need to be aware of and ready to play our part as a congregation in de- in the development of of more Christian leaders. And our third point was how might God use a leader by the example of Timothy. Yeah, so the third third means that God uses is is leaders themselves. So God uses families, God uses churches, God uses leaders, and and Paul is is just a sterling example of that, right? Where where he um, takes a chance on this young guy Timothy and takes him along and and just pours into him over the next uh, eight to twelve years uh, into you know t- by by example and by word. Uh, Timothy becomes a disciple, not only of Jesus but of Paul, and uh, and a disciple typically attached himself to a rabbi, and followed the rabbi around and learned everything he could from the rabbi, not just the teachings of the rabbi, but but the rabbi's way of life. And and toward the end of Paul's life in Second Timothy, he says, Timothy, you know all about my way of life, my teaching, my my endurance, uh, my faithfulness, my how I endured even persecution for the sake of the gospel. Uh, Paul's basically saying to Timothy, you know, Timothy, you've finished the course. I've, I've shown you everything I know to show you. And, uh, and now you go and take this, and uh, it's your turn to carry the baton. Um, so there was, there was this apprenticeship, a very deliberate teaching that happened over the years. And, and then Paul's affirmation of Timothy to not only go and and serve Christ in in ministry, but then to pour himself into the next generation who will pour themselves into the generation after that, so that leaders are involved very directly in equipping leaders. Um, you know, I was blessed to have people who did that for me in, in ministry, even as I was blessed to have a church that gave me a chance as a young leader, identifying my gifts and giving me space to lead and and then laying their hands on me in ordination and sending me off. Um, uh, but I had I had a couple of godly pastors in particular who uh, taught me to preach and taught me to lead and and uh, and so I think anybody who is in Christian leadership needs to understand their responsibility to to raise up the next generation or two or three of leaders who will follow them. So one of the verses we touched on was from Acts chapter 16. Uh, Paul, after just meeting Timothy and the decision to take him along with him on that trip, starting in verse 3, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek. So what was what's the importance here of now we're in the new covenant circumcision is old covenant what was the the importance or the purpose of having timothy circumcised 
Yeah, Paul in other of his epistles is very, very clear uh, about the fact that circumcision really isn't anything in terms of contributing to your salvation. Uh, that if if you come from a Gentile background, don't let any of these these Jewish believers tell you you've got to go and get circumcised in order to really belong to Christ. That's not the case. And yet here's Timothy, who has a mother and grandmother of Jewish background, and a father who's a Greek, and apparently because of his father's influence or decision, he was never circumcised as a child. And now Paul wants to take him on this missionary journey, and it's it's pretty clear here that it's not a matter of Timothy's salvation. That's not at stake. Uh, Timothy's a believer in Christ, and that's sufficient for his salvation. But uh, Paul also knows that you know, the typical strategy is to begin, wherever he goes, begin by going to the synagogue. Uh, his conviction is the gospel goes first to the Jew, and then when they don't receive it, then we turn to the Greek. And um, and and Paul Paul's primary ministry was among Gentiles, but the starting point was always in the synagogue. And, and partly, you know, you start in the synagogue not only because the gospel needed to be declared to God's chosen people, but because in the synagogue, you'd also find God-fearing Gentiles who likely were ripe for salvation. And, um, and so for the ease of, of taking Timothy with him into the synagogue so as not to uh, offend, uh, to not raise any questions about, you know, Timothy's right to be there or or, you know, perceiving Timothy as somehow less than or unclean because he hadn't been circumcised, because people knew his father was a Greek. Uh, Paul says, let's just go ahead and do this. It's, it's, uh, it's a matter of, of a strategy. You know, Paul talks about being all things to all people so as by all means to win some. And, and, uh, and I think Paul's strategy there is not to say, Timothy, you need this for salvation, but you need this for ministry effectiveness and and for the convenience of us being able to to go into places uh, that otherwise wouldn't welcome you right it was it's a good missionary strategy that when you send people into the missions field that you it, they get totally enveloped in you know what the people are like and and you get to understand them Paul's known to do this when he he went into Athens and he he, he went to all the temples and he looked around and and said, hey, look, there's, there's this, uh, you know, for the God of the unknown. You, you worship that? Well, let me tell you about that God. And so getting to know the people that you're ministering to uh, will help you be able to reach them better for Christ. That That is a, a winning strategy that, that still works today. Yep. All right. So as we come to a close, anything in particular that uh, you left out of the sermon? Uh, nothing that I left out, but one of the things I did conclude with was in the spirit of leaders developing other leaders, uh, I've offered a, an opportunity to anybody who wants to up their game as a leader or anybody who aspires to Christian leadership to take a, a leadership class that we're offering. It's going to be on Zoom uh, on Tuesday evenings for six Tuesday evenings, about 90 minutes each evening, so nine hours of really boils down to the meaty essence of a of a leadership class that I taught at the seminary, uh, and um, uh, I, I think that anybody who who wants to up their leadership game or anybody who aspires to leadership 
will find this to be a really profitable opportunity. It's free. You just have to be ready and willing to devote uh, nine hours of your time uh, to uh, our class and, and discussions. So that's uh, beginning April 11, and it lasts through May 16. Again, it's going to be via Zoom. And uh, you can go on the, the Bayside uh, website and sign up for the class that way, or you can just simply shoot me an email, Dave at Bayside Chapel, and we'll get you signed up. Uh, we're, we're offering this class broadly in, in, in keeping with our spirit of generosity of wanting to be a blessing to the church at large and not just building Bayside's kingdom. Um, we're we're uh, offering it uh, broadly, so it's not just folks from Bayside. There are already people from uh, two or three other churches that have signed up. And um, uh, we've got about 20-plus people already going to be joining the class. And by the way, if if you are involved otherwise on Tuesday nights and can't necessarily join us live, as long as you're registered for the class, you'll get a link to the, the Zoom recording of it uh, the following day. So class will be on Wednesday, but the recording link will go out on Wednesday for anybody who couldn't attend class on Tuesday evening. So. Uh, for all of you aspiring leaders out there, or those of you who are already in leadership and, and you know, you'd like to kind of up your game and, and what it means to, to lead in a Christ-like way, uh, I encourage you to, to take the class. Uh, Dave at BaysideChapel.org will get you signed up. And so that's going to start the Tuesday after Easter. Correct. So that leads us into our next sermon series. Yeah, so our next sermon series is called Easter Songs, and uh, basically what we're going to be doing is looking at the uh, the uh, four of the servant songs from the book of Isaiah. It's kind of fascinating that 700 years before um, Jesus came, Isaiah was given these servant songs. So they're songs that talk about the servant of the Lord. And they're clearly uh, predictions of Messiah and his work. And, uh, and it's, it's amazing how um, so much of what Isaiah talks about 700 years prior to the time of Christ gets fulfilled in the life and ministry of Jesus. And, and much of it revolves around uh, Jesus' uh, passion, his sacrificial death, and then his resurrection. So, uh, yeah, we hope you join us for Servant Songs beginning this coming Sunday. All right. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Dave, and we appreciate the time you're spending with us today. Thank you for those of you listening and joining in on a conversation. We hope you have a blessed week. Thank you very much. <laughs>